Welcome to another episode of the Variety Podcast, Strictly Business, where we chat with some of the smartest folks working in the media industry today. I'm Variety Co-Editor-in-Chief Andrew Wallenstein. Last week at the CES show in Las Vegas, I had the opportunity to sit down with Viacom CEO Bob Backish. With speculation rampant about a potential merger with CBS Corp., he addressed what his strategic approach to leading Viacom is at a time when his competitors are all scaling up fast. But as Backish explained to me, he's got a plan for building on the assets he has without making a so-called transformational deal. Have a listen. So I guess what I want to get a sense of is two years or so into the top job, you certainly inherited your share of challenges. Where do you see things now? Or, or maybe it's not quite mission accomplished, but are you happy with the progress made or is it more about the improvements still to come? Yeah, sure. Well, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't ever say anything's mission accomplished and certainly not in the, in the changing world we're living in. But if, if you looked at Viacom circa the end of 16, which is uh, when I was given the opportunity to lead the company, um, it was clear that uh, there were issues um, that, and that the company was in need of a, a turnaround. And, and really, our journey since then has been about a turnaround and an evolution because, as I said, as we all know, you know the world is changing and, and just merely getting back to where we were wouldn't be sufficient. So in the context of the company at the end of 16, you know, we had a Paramount Pictures unit that just came off a year where it lost a half a billion dollars and consumed a billion two in cash, which is a pretty good trick for a company that has a library that throws off 300 million. Um, so that was clearly a problem. Um, you know, we had our, our domestic networks, um, iconic brands, etc., but we had some real uh, friction in the distribution space, and there was a bunch of noise around that. And candidly, the audience performance of some of those networks um, wasn't what we'd like to be, and it was really a, a trend line that had been moving in the wrong direction. Um, and so we got to work uh, addressing those issues, and, and if you look at Paramount as an example today, uh, circa the end of um, 18, calendar 18, you know, that's a business that now we have, we just finished a quarter, we haven't reported that quarter yet, so let's skip the most recent quarter. But prior to that, you know, we had seven straight quarters of, of earnings improvement. Um, in 18, you know, we clearly showed that we could make films that mattered and make money on them. And I'd offer A Quiet Place as an example. I'd offer Mission Impossible Fallout as an example, which was the sixth installment of that franchise. It was also the most successful on a box office basis, not only globally, but in the U.S., and that doesn't usually happen in the sixth uh, iteration. Um, and we had a television business that uh, came from literally nowhere a couple years ago to deliver $400 million in revenue as we delivered uh, nine series. So Paramount is in a fundamentally better place. That's the result of uh, a really a complete overhaul of the team there, uh, now led by Jim Giannopoulos, who's awesome. Um, as well as uh, really rethink on the strategy and the slate construction and all those other things. So feeling very good about that. Um, the most recent proof point on that is Bumblebee. Um, and you know, while we wouldn't, I wouldn't get into all of it, if you look at the review of that movie versus the last Transformers movie, um, everybody agrees it's fundamentally a better movie. The last one we lost over $100 million on. Um, this one's nicely profitable. Um, it's done about $300 million, uh, in box office to date, and, and it'll continue to play. 
Um, so Paramount's a good place. The distribution landscape in the U.S., we all know that's um, uh, complicated. Um, back in early 17, there was a lot of uh, conversation going around that we were going to get dropped by charter. Uh, that obviously would have been a problem. Um, and, you know, through really focusing on uh, partnership, evolving our strategy to not only uh, provide the right set of access to rights, so really truing up our on-demand grants and TV everywhere and the like, which we hadn't really fully um, provided, uh, but also broadening the aperture, entering into advanced advertising partnerships, um, as well as, in the case of Charter, a co-production partnership. Uh, we got that um, deal done, very happy with that deal, and we went on to renew or extend well over half our sub-base. So uh, that's in a materially different place uh, than it was uh, at the time. So there's a lot of great things going on, and we'll, we'll dig into some of these things. But you've been on record recently saying that you know, Viacom doesn't require a transformational deal. In this environment, though, where companies even bigger than yours are consolidating, how is that position tenable? Well, look, um, we and I uh, continue to believe there's a lot of value in the assets we already own. You look at that. I mean, in in 16, people thought MTV was dead and buried. Uh, Today, it's the fastest growing network uh, in television. Um, Its audience is up again in the current quarter, double digits. Um, and we're only beginning to benefit from that resurgence from a monetization standpoint. So I think there's a lot of value in the assets we we already own. We, unlike most media companies, are a truly global operating media company. We don't just have sales forces outside the U.S. You know, we own the number one um, broadcast network in Argentina. We have a major broadcast network in Channel 5. We're making content all over the world. We own half of a leading Indian media company called Viacom 18, which owns the Colors brand, there's a lot of value there. And, you know, if you think about the transition we're in from an industry standpoint, back in February of 17, we started talking about something called a flagship brand. And, and flagship brand was partially about prioritization, but it was also about um, unlocking opportunity through true multi-platform expression. And so if you look at MTV, it's not only... Uh, a linear cable network with a substantial original programming slate, but it also has a piece of the Paramount film slate. Uh, We started a a digital native division called Viacom Digital Studios, um, which produces uh, original content for, uh, in short form for distribution, both in front of the wall social and in other places. Um, That uh, consumption has ramped up dramatically, taking us from number 22 in the space to into the top 10. Um, we've There's, gotten into the experience. My point being, there is a lot of opportunity. And when you got to our fourth fiscal quarter of 18, you saw we returned our company to earnings growth, something that hadn't been the case since 14. So we think there's a lot of road to head. And in fact, I think relative to some of our peers, we're further along in making this transition um, than others that are, you look at our ad business, it's not all 30-second spots. we got an advanced ad business where we significant branded content assets, significant data-driven assets. We can insert dynamically in 90% of VOD homes in the U.S., something nobody else can do. Um, so there's a lot of value there. So we don't need a transformational deal. Um, we have been doing M&A. We've been doing what, what I call accelerant deals. So we bought a company called Husay, branded content company, materially increased our capabilities in kind of the lower end of the branded content space from a price 
perspective, which is important. We bought a company called VidCon, which is ground zero for social influencers. Really um, strengthened our kind of legacy with young adult audiences and talent and associated talent. Uh, and it's also an extension of our experiential business. We most recently bought a company called Awesomeness, which people think of as a web company. And it's true that they're expert in marketing of content on the web, but it's also true that it's a studio in its own right. And increasing our participation in the creation of content, including for third parties, is a big um, push we're making as a company. And that, that awesomeness asset produced, among other things this year, or the 18, um, to all the boys I've loved before, which is one of the most uh, consumed films on Netflix. But these uh, are small works. deals. Are you going to need to make bigger deals, or are you just going to be looking for more of the same smaller deals? You know, scale is, is very much in vogue. Vertical integration is very much in vogue. Um, if you look at the history of industry, and certainly media, vertical integration doesn't tend to work. Um, bigger is not always better. You know, so I don't think that is um, the necessary path. What is really important is to have your plan, you know where you're going, and you're executing against it, and you're achieving growth, and that's exactly what we're doing. Of course, we look at lots of different things. Um, but again, I feel very good about the path we're on. We've got a couple other things uh, in the pipeline uh, that are of a commercial nature and you know, some other smaller things we're looking at. Uh, and I think just as 18, we tracked through, and it had its twists and turns, but we emerged as a stronger company than we were at the beginning of 18. I believe 19 will be the same. But let's address the elephant in the room. There's plenty of speculation that Viacom and CBS could be combined as, as soon as this year. Uh, how do you manage for an uncertain future? Are you, do you have a distinct vision of the one you're trying to build at Viacom through these smaller acquisitions? Or are you trying to like build for a bunch of different possible futures at once? Well, I'm a huge believer in having a plan. Um, I think that is uh, one of the big reasons I got the job, because when, when all our management met with the board you know, in 16, uh, we were, I ran international, I had run it for a decade, uh, and we came in and we said, yeah, here's where we are, by the way, here's where we came from, and here's where we're going. Um, because it's hard to, to get where you want to go if you don't know where that is. So it's very important to have a plan. Um, our plan is fundamentally based on the assets we have because that's the only thing I can bet on for sure. Um, but of course, you have plan A, plan B, plan C, um, and you know we track out uh, accordingly. Um, and regarding uh, the current narrative, look, the more things change, and we all know our, our, our world is changing, the more things stay the same. This is now the third time this whole narrative has come up uh, in a relatively uh, brief time. And I'll tell you what I told you before and what, more importantly, I tell my management team every day, which is we got to focus, um, we got to play through, we got to execute, we got to grow, because there's only one thing I know for sure. At the end of the year, you're either going to be talking to me or you're going to be talking to somebody else. And what you don't want to have to say is, well, yeah, we had this opportunity, but we kind of got distracted and we didn't get it done. And so... Our mission continues to be focus on the assets we have, focus on execution, you know, look broadly to capture value, uh, and then opportunistically see what else happens. And, and that's what we do day in and day out, and that's what we're going to keep doing. So let's talk about some of those core assets, those flagship brands. 
MTV, Comedy Central, great brands to have. However, in this climate where the pay TV business is challenged, uh, you guys are dealing with your tensions with some of the major distributors, distributors that could end up dropping key channels. MTV and a lot of these channels were big for so many years because they spun off all these uh, additional channels. How do you manage a future when there seems to be a secular de- decline playing out for the business model that got you so big in the first place? Sure. So um, I think it, it, the essence of it is you have to make sure you're adding value, point one. And point two is you have to recognize how the world is changing. And so to the first point, um, you know, if we talk about what we're doing in distribution, we broadened our ability to add value for our mutual benefit, both our partner's benefit an MVPD, uh, and Viacom's benefit. And, and certainly our whole extension into advanced advertising, what we call AMS, uh, you know, is fundamental to that. The second thing I would say in terms of how the world is changing, the fundamental thing that's going on um, is fragmentation in terms of how people access content. The world we used to live in was relatively simple. Now, this is in the television space. Obviously, we operate in other spaces. But in the television space, you know, everyone, okay, 85% of people got the same product, and that was big basic. Um, and that was very nice structure. Um, today, that's no longer true, and it continues to fragment. So you have people, still the vast majority of people in the highest priced um, segment, but you got people at 40 oh, actually no, $45, because that price is starting to creep up as people try to make economic businesses there. You got people in the teens. You got, uh, you know, people around 10 bucks in terms of the SVOD space. You even have some single-digit numbers, and you have free. You have AVOD. And so that world's not going to change. That's the world we're going to be living in. And what's important is that we take these, what we can now call flagship brands, and we make sure we, can, we participate in all those levels. Um, the, the big basic levels, that's fairly obvious. Uh, you know, we are active in the VMVPD or OTT space. Uh, we are also active... Uh, in, in the SVOD space through our third-party production business where we are making product really for everyone. And we're not just making product, we're making hits. Did you watch Jack Ryan on Amazon? We made that. Um, did you watch um, Maniac on Netflix? We made that. Did you watch All the Boys we, 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 I Love Before? We made that. Um, and, you know, we, in terms of Paramount Television, is our, we're going to go from nine series to 16 series in this fiscal year, growing that revenue about 50%. At the same time, we've gotten the domestic brands. If you're going to watch the real world this year, you're going to watch it on Facebook. And you could watch it the U.S. version. You could watch a Latin version. You can watch an Asian version, all of which will be produced. And by the way, they'll be interactive. So that's another way we're participating in that space. And you could think of that as an AVOD space. So... Um, our brands are evolving. Um, the, the product we're providing is segmenting across price points. Don't be surprised if you shortly see our brands participating in a differentiated mobile bundle. Today, our brands are carried on AT&T Watch in the U.S. And by the way, that whole mobile carriage, and there's been a lot of conversation about 5G, as there should be you know, at, at CES this year. Um, I probably went to Mobile World for the first time five or six years ago. Um, and in the last 18 months, we've done mobile deals outside the U.S. We have about 30 of them now, uh, where Telefonica carries our flagship brands across Latin America um, in terms of its in a real kind of substitutable video product. There's other, we have a Paramount Plus product in Europe 
uh, which is rolling out, which combines Paramount uh, first window, you could think of as HBO window um, films, with Vimin, Viacom Media Network's uh, television product, all in a consolidated app available both on set-top and um, with leading uh, mobile operators. Are those um, deals the future? Or are they big enough? <laughs> they're absolutely the future. I mean, the thing, like, we're in, this, we're in the state of transformation of our industry, and you can either view that as glass half full or half empty. I view it as half full. And mobile distribution really is the um, catalyst that will turn this whole decline of television argument on its head because you have multiples um, of today, 3G, soon 4G, never mind 5G, because 5G initially is more about fixed broadband, but whatever. <laughs> um, it will eventually be handset. Um, those are, if you have maybe outside the U.S., 500 million pay TV homes at the high side, um, probably more like 300 million quality ones if you take out India and China, you got a billion five 3G homes and growing. And so I think these kind of deals where you're bringing product, either product that looks like what you get exactly on television, so that's a Telefonica example, um, an aggregated product um, that combines a lot of different things under one brand, so that's like a Paramount Plus with Telenor product. Um, you know, we're on... We're in Indonesia with a, with a mobile carrier that's 160 million subs. Uh, we're on their data tier with our NIC Play uh, and NIC Junior Play apps, which provides access to you know, that product on an on-demand basis. So, and, and by the way, some of these are D2C, so you're opting in as a consumer through an app store. We're taking 70%. Somebody's taking 30%. Some of these are... Um, through a, a third-party intermediary. You could think Amazon Channel Store. Um, some of these are what we call B2B2C deals with carriers. You could think about Telefonica or Telenor or um, Telcom Cell, which is the Indonesian one, and that. So I think this, this kind of hybrid economy of distribution, where unfortunately everybody doesn't get the same thing, people are getting different products, bigger bundles, smaller bundles, um, but fundamentally, you have more reach. And by the way, all those type platforms are addressable advertising. So you look at the difference between um, Sling and Dish in the U.S. For us, we're carried on both. That's good. Um, but actually, all the Sling ads are dynamic. We can insert a specific ad to a specific person based on specific data. On the Dish platform, we can't do that for obvious reasons. It's DTH going down. I mean, you can do it because with some technical work, but that is another um, big move forward in terms of our ability to create value in the space, and we are in the super early days of that. Hmm. Um, so anyway, exciting times. So you're focused more and more on production, though, and what's interesting about that is I, I wonder if there's sort of a double-edged sword to the success there. You empower the Netflixes and the Facebooks of the world with your content, that makes it harder, doesn't it, for the Comedy Centrals and MTVs to get as many eyeballs on their content because they're, these people are watching on Facebook. So doesn't it kind of hurt your core business? No, it doesn't, But here, because for two reasons. One is whether we make a show for Facebook or not is not going to influence whether they have shows on their platform. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'd rather have a young adult show with the MTV brand than not, point one. <laughs> point two is... The most important thing for, for Viacom from a consumer perspective is to continue to have our flagship brands be top of mind for consumers as they think about entertainment. 
And that entertainment might be going to see a movie in a theater. That entertainment might be flipping on uh, your flat screen and watching a pay video bundle. That might be accessing product on an app. That might be going to a festival like Slime Fest outside of Chicago, which we do in the summer with Nickelodeon. That's what we want. And having an extended ecosystem of uh, entertainment experience associated with these brands that cross this fragmenting environment is what it's all about because it will reinforce itself. It provides great solutions for advertisers. I was with a major CMO last night um, talking about this before one of the many parties. Um, just last week, we were um, with another um, and it, with another CMO in a different category, and it's all about being able to get reach into, say, men 18 to 34, which is not an easy demo to reach these days, harder than ever, use um, a cross-section of platforms, you know, leveraging our linear distribution, adding our app distribution, adding um, our over-the-top distribution, adding our VDS, Viacom Digital Studios product that's resident in a variety of social media platforms, um, doing branded content, in, an, uh, in a program that's synchronized to reach that, in this example, men, male, 18 to 34, who this particular client and a whole set of clients, for that matter, you know, are interested in influencing to uh, buy a product or service. And, and I think that's very much the future. And, and unless, you believe, unless you realistically understand that's what's going on, if you go to crawl into the ivory tower of we got to only stay here, you'll never grow your company. Hmm. And as a, as a you know, public company um, and a company that wants to create opportunities for its employees, by the way, and we've been doing lots of work on culture and made a lot of progress there as well, um, that growth is very important. People have to see that there's opportunity they can grow with. And so you've got to deal with this environment. So let's talk about that culture, though, because Viacom has been through a lot uh, prior to you coming in there. How do you energize uh, thousands of employees who, especially when, it's not even about Viacom per se, when you look at it, that broader macro media world, there's pessimism, there's negativity. So how do you get people going? Well, I think it starts with you got to have a plan and you have to make sure people understand what it is so they can understand how they fit in. And they can, and you, both you and they can understand if you're making progress. And if so, you can put more fuel in the tank. Or if you're not making progress in one area, you can, you can decide to go some, you know, a different direction. That's fundamental. And, and I can tell you, you know, circa 16, when I was running international, I didn't know if I was going to stay at Viacom because I didn't believe there was a plan with the future. If you talk to, and I'm somewhat biased, obviously, but I think you'll find if you talk to people in Viacom today, they fundamentally believe we have a plan. They see there's no question that we've effectuated a turnaround, you know, at our, at our studio on the West Coast that we, have, we are in a far better place from a distribution relationship standpoint and have been expanding that business, that we are actively participating in places that we hadn't before, including you know, providing original content on a day-in, day-out basis to the AVOD you know, digital um, I don't know, stratosphere, um, that we're active in events, and that in total we actually grew the earnings of the company. And, and we're doing it in such a way, and, and I'm talking about, we're just kind of starting to talk about this, but what unites all of that is a culture of content. That is what Viacom is. Whether you make short form, long form, feature length, or an event, whether you're actually on the creative side, the monetization side, or the support side, 
They're all working in this culture of content. And they see the progress we're making. I know because I talk to them at least quarterly. I talk to the whole employee base on Facebook Live and take questions and do all those things. And obviously, I talk to people every day. But they see the progress. And that's how you get people excited. Because at the end of the day, people are pretty simple. It comes down to what's in it for them. Mm-hmm. And what's in it for them is a future. And if you look at Viacom circa you know, January of 2019 versus January of 2017, there's a lot broader and deeper understanding that the future is looking pretty interesting. And, and that's how you keep people engaged. We're here in Las Vegas at CES. You know, you're going to spend your time on the show floor. What, what are the kind of technologies that are <coughs> catching your eye that are relevant to your business's future? Sure. So I actually was on the floor yesterday. Okay. Um, and because uh, I think this is an opportunity to be a bit, a bit of a sponge and see what's going on. <laughs> and if you think about the fundamentals of our business, the entertainment business, um, there is kind of two things that are important. One is you get consumers to want to spend time with your product. That's important. Um, and two is you get paid for it. If you can have those two things, you, everything else can probably sort itself out. And if you look at the arc of consumption, I remember, because I've been in this business you know, 30 years, when second television sets started really showing up at scale in kids' bedrooms and other places. Mm. And that drove more minutes. That was a good thing. And then, you know, more recently... Computers with infrastructure started showing up in places like offices. And that, you know, that wasn't really the heavy video space, but there was more impressions. And then, of course, much more recently, you get into over-the-top and you get into mobile. And that's much more time with product. And what I saw yesterday um, was clearly, you know, there's two things that are coming, and they're coming like a freight train, and they're fundamentally good. Um, one is the continuing acceleration of broadband infrastructure, both in the name of 5G, which is definitely coming, as you all know. Maybe it's fixed broadband first, but it'll be wireless. That's going to... And all the wireless carriers, and we talk to them all, we do business with all, and they're all talking, we need use cases. And certainly entertainment is, is a use case. Um, and the other thing that's gotten less, tr- less uh, press uh, at CES is 10G, and that's the cable industry talking about their next leg because they're delivering 1G right now. Uh, they're the only people doing that, by the way. Um, and now their next push is to deliver 10x that over the next you know, five years or something. So you put those two things together, uh, you have a lot of people wanting to drive increased broadband consumption and needing stuff to put through it. That's good. And the, so that's the one. And the second thing was if you walk the floor, the cars... Um, that's another freight train that's coming. 5G autonomous cars that people don't have to drive. Now, I don't know what you're going to do if your brand is the ultimate driving machine. It's a serious question. Because that's going to be a niche business. So, but people are going to be... Look at them. They've got people movers with monitors. People are going to be... and So just like adding a TV set to a bedroom or adding mobile on the go, the last vestige of video-free consumption is the automobile, and that's coming. And is Viacom already thinking about how it plays in that Absolutely. Space? Absolutely. And so what do you fork? Is that, like, relevant two years from now, five years from now? Are you able to say at this point? Um, look, I, I think, you know, in terms of at, at scale, it's more five years than two years for sure, because mm-hmm. I think there's still some liability issues that got to get worked out in that space. 
Um, like you own the car, but you didn't drive the car and it crashed. Who's, who's that on? I don't know. But, but, um, but at, those are details that will get worked out. The fundamental thing is time. And yeah, sure, some people will work in cars. You know, when I'm, when I'm being driven, I typically have a laptop I'm working. But a hell of a lot more people are going to be entertained in cars. And that's a good thing. So between what's going on in broadband, which is only going to accelerate on a global basis, including mobility, and this next wild card, which is the automobile, there's just going to be more demand. And everyone and their brother is trying to get a piece of that pie. And most of them don't make content. Hmm. So back to our studio production initiative, Right. there's a lot of legs to this game. And what, what we're focused on is making sure our brands, Paramount, MTV, Nickelodeon, et cetera, are resident in this growing, albeit complicated, ecosystem. Well, it's going to be interesting to see where your brand is in this very interesting future. Bob, thanks for coming in and talking with me about it. This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. <laughs>